Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. I'm Jennifer Butler, and I'm your host. Our guest today is truly an expert on educating and empowering women who are divorcing to take control of their finances. This is a time in a woman's life filled with emotion and also a time when important long-term financial decisions need to be made. Many women, when looking back on their divorce, wish they had a better understanding of money so they could have made more informed decisions about their divorce settlements. Today, we are going to be talking to Stacy Francis of Francis Financial and Savvy Ladies to discuss the most common mistakes women tend to make and how those mistakes can be avoided. Knowledge is power, and it is our goal to provide you with information and education so you can make the best decisions and be your best self during this transitional period of your life. Stacy is a wealth of knowledge, and I am really glad to be able to talk with her here today. Both Francis Financial and Worthy have conducted financial studies on divorced women, and we will be sharing some of our findings with you today as we discuss this topic. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back with Stacy Francis. When you sell a piece of jewelry, you can't control how much it's worth, but you can make sure that you're selling smart with a team of experts and advocates behind you at Worthy. Your engagement ring can be a financial asset that allows you to embrace a new and fulfilling life after divorce. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Go to worthy.com forward slash podcast to learn more. Stacy Francis is a nationally recognized financial expert and the president and CEO of Francis Financial, which she founded 16 years ago. She is a certified financial planner and certified divorce financial analyst who provides advice to women going through transitions such as divorce, widowhood, and sudden wealth. She is also the founder of Savvy Ladies, a nonprofit that has provided free personal finance education and resources to over 15,000 women. When Stacy is not being interviewed on CNBC, the WSJ, and Forbes, she is hosting Financially Ever After, a podcast focusing on women, money, and divorce. Stacy has received numerous industry awards, such as one of the top 10 financial advisors in New York by Advisory HQ. Top Wealth Advisor Moms by Working Mother Magazine, Investment News Women to Watch, and one of the best financial advisors for women by the Women's Choice Award. For her dedication to giving back, she has also been rewarded Financial Planning Association's Heart of Financial Planning Award, Financial Planning's Magazine's Pro Bono Award, and the NAPFA Consumer Education Foundation's First Pro Bono Award. Please welcome to the podcast, Stacey Francis. It's truly an honor to have you here. Thank you, Jennifer. I'm really excited to be talking to you today. You guys are doing great work. So are you. And we are so grateful to be aligned with you. You know, you're such an expert, not only in the area of finance, but you've really dedicated yourself to this niche of working specifically with women who are really, it's not just divorce, really in a state of transition. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, why you do the work that you do? Yeah, it's, you know, you never think about as a little girl, you know, sitting there dreaming of your future, thinking I want to become a certified divorce financial analyst. I don't, I don't think you've (laughs) 
<laughs> I can't imagine there's too many little girls out there. Um, you know, to be honest, I never envisioned my life. I never saw myself in the field of finance either. I will be fully honest and admit that I was the girl who didn't raise her ma- hand in math and numbers kind of frightened me. So mm. I did the exact opposite of that. I decided I'd be a, a French major and a Spanish minor. I mean, I feel like that was my way of getting as far from numbers as I possibly could. But then I had a wake up call and it was actually very shortly into my career in college at, at Middlebury College. And I had a conversation with my grandmother that absolutely changed the direction of my life. I finally had the courage to ask her why she stayed in her marriage. Oh, wow. And that's something that, at least for me, uh, took a lot of courage because it was not a good marriage. Uh, She was married to my grandfather in her late teens, and she ended up staying with him until her 80s and lived a life of emotional abuse, financial abuse, and physical abuse. Mm. She said the reason she stayed was because of money. And that was the turning point for me, that all that fear and anxiety that that I had about numbers, about finance, I was going to have to get my big girl panties on (laughs) and I was going to have to learn how to deal with money because I realized right then and there that if I didn't, my life could be like that of my grandmother Mm. and I too could find myself trapped in a marriage. And that was my turning point. That's when I um, decided that I would change my major. I would go into finance and I went into as finance as possibly could be investment banking here in New York City and ultimately decided to take that and do good with it. And when I say do good with it, it was starting Savvy Ladies in honor of my grandmother to help women with the support they need that unfortunately she didn't get about her finances Mm -hmm. and also to work with women through Francis Financial who were actually going through divorce that need help with modeling out the settlement, understanding what is my life going to look like and just as important, helping them afterwards to make sure that they're being supported and that they are making good decisions and this lump sum of money that they have is really going to last them for the rest of their life. First of all, that is so powerful, that moment with your grandmother and just the way it really changed the course of your life. There's so much research coming out about how we are living past generational things. And when we can change them in the now, how we not only change for ourselves, but we change for the world at large, you know, other women, our our own children, our own grandchildren. So it's just amazing that you had the foresight and the courage to to do that, to, to ask and then change. You know, it, it was definitely courage. Um, but I, I, I think about this and I think so much of it is that when you see someone who you adore more than anything, both my grandmother and my my mother, who I've now both lost, mm. were the two most important people in my entire life. 
and to see someone who you adore, who you care for, suffer. And my my grandmother died because of my grandfather. He pushed her down the stairs. She ended up dying in the hospital. Uh That should never happen. And I will tell you part of it, part of my passion is anger. Mm -hmm. And you can still hear it in my voice. Part of my passion is that I couldn't save her and that feeling of, of being ashamed, of being embarrassed, feeling like you're not enough. And, and part of that passion is that my grandmother was such an amazing woman that she would want me to be doing this work to help other women. Mm. And I do not want her life to be something that's not remembered and something that didn't matter. And so it's with that that I started this. And it's with that of why I think I had the courage. Sometimes you do things that are really courageous, partially because you feel like there's no choice. Right. You know, they say like anger is the agent of change. And so you've taken that and, and it's really you've taken your grandmother's life and created this legacy of change, this legacy of advocacy and change and possibility. Um, you started talking about savvy ladies and I want to kind of just focus there for a minute because there are so many women out there who are going through difficult transitions, divorce, maybe it's widowhood, maybe they're, they're just stuck and don't know how to get themselves out and they don't know where to turn. Mm-hmm. And savvy ladies provides the wisdom, the education, the resources. So I just wanted to kind of have you talk a little bit about Savvy Ladies and what women can find there. So I started Savvy Ladies nearly um, two decades ago. And in the 20 years, we've created so much rich content for women, for women from all walks of life, all different paths, from women who are getting off welfare to women who have assets, but just have a lot of questions, understandably, too. Mm -hmm. And so you can go to our website. There are hundreds of TED Talk-like videos, everything from how to invest my 401k to I'm thinking about a divorce, what should I do, to you know, how do I pay off my debt. Any topic, even negotiating the corner office, it is there. And then on top of it, we have live uh, webinars every other week, which is really powerful. So you can call in with your questions, log in with your questions too, on every topic you can imagine. And the piece that I'm most passionate about, Jennifer, is our helpline. I don't know about you, but I am a self-help guru. I love self-help books. And anytime I can, I am either listening to them while I'm driving or while I'm, you know, on the subway and listening or reading. But often I will have that question of, well, what does that mean for me? Right. And it's the same for, you know, for your listeners of you can read great books. There's lots of great books out there. You can watch a seminar. But what does that mean really for me financially? Because everybody is different. Everybody is different. And that's what the helpline does. We match women up with certified financial planners, certified divorce financial analysts, or certified public accountants, CPAs, Mm -hmm. to be there as needed. Or uh, we actually just piloted a program where we already have 30 women signed up. And this is for a six-month program to be able to work with that professional one-on-one to make sure that you have 
the information you need to be able to move forward. And what's most powerful is that it's free of charge. So it means that wherever you are, wherever you are in your life financially, you can use this resource. And it's the only resource in the country that's available like this, let alone without any charge. That's amazing. What you're saying, I mean, it doesn't matter where you are in your life financially. I know, you know, today's topic is really talking about the mistakes we make and how to avoid them. And I wrote an article for Worthy a few months back about the mistakes I made. And I I think top on my list was I failed to get educated. Yeah. And, you know, it really stems from not even when I was going through the divorce, but while I was married, just kind of turning everything over you know, and I know you have done a study, Worthy's done a study, you know, Worthy found that one in five women abdicate control of their money to their husbands. Mm-hmm. And I was one of them. Yeah. And you're, you're definitely not alone. You know, we saw that as well. Um, essentially, not even a third of the women were really involved with the investment piece. So they found themselves really behind the eight ball. I have to say, you know, we're doing better with the day-to-day bill paying Mm. and more of us are involved with that. So that's really positive, particularly for after a divorce when that becomes even more and more important. But the piece we definitely are failing on is that abdicating um, the money, particularly the investment management, the long-term savings to our husbands and not playing an active role in it. And I understand I was one of one of you as well, where that was the last thing I wanted to do. I would rather go get a root canal mm. than talk about 401ks and IRAs and fi- you know 457 plans and all of that. But what I have found is that the more you slowly peel back the onion and learn a little bit more, this stuff is actually, number one, not rocket science. And number two, it's actually pretty interesting stuff too. You just have to frame it in the right way to make it interesting for you to want to stay involved and knowledgeable. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I remember just kind of feeling so uneducated and afraid of it that I didn't even take the time. I just say, oh, yeah, yeah, you you handle that. You handle that. And it's this sort of peaceful denial, right? This like false sense of safety that we create, but it's really not safety. Yeah, it's not. And we see that leading into some mistakes that women make during the divorce process. And and these are mistakes that we didn't talk about. I mean, although we know them, but that the women told us. And I think that's really important to know the source. And the women pointed out four specific areas where they felt that they had made a mistake. And the number one was not really understanding their spending failing to consider the long-term and how their divorce settlement will affect them, not just in two or three years, but five, 10, 20. Mm -hmm. Taking the house when they didn't understand that the whole ramification, financial ramifications and whether or not they could afford it. And then finally, not knowing all the assets. Those were four pieces that women said over and over and over again, really hurt them through the divorce process and they look back and wished that they had known essentially what they know now. What I really want to do is kind of talk 
individually about each one. I'm going to take a really quick break here. And then when we come back, let's kind of dive in. Sounds great. Great. So we'll be right back with more from Stacy Francis. When I decided to sell my jewelry after my divorce, the most important thing to me was finding a company that I could trust and one that would also advocate for me. I found this and so much more at Worthy. Their expert staff immediately put me at ease and helped me to get the best price possible for my jewelry. Your engagement ring can be a symbol of your freedom, your journey, and the choices you have made to live your life on your terms and create the future you desire. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Go to worthy.com forward slash podcast to learn more. We're back talking to Stacey Francis, and we are talking about the top financial mistakes women make. And Stacey just outlined the top four mistakes that women have pointed out that they've made, which I think, like you said, is a very important thing to note, that these are people who have gone through this and are noticing the mistakes that are being made, um, as opposed to just sort of shooting in the dark and, and seeing from our end which mistakes we think people are making. So let's go through each one. The first one you mentioned was not understanding spending. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about how about 38% of the women uh, that we interviewed were solely responsible for tracking the, you know, and, and paying expenses in the household. But what we found is that sometimes that didn't translate to them understanding the total picture of the spending, the kind of adding it all together. And sometimes you'll see someone giving you their expenses and everything ends in a zero or a five. And what that tells us is that you've ballparked. Mm. And if you've ballparked, guess what? <laughs> that, um, you know, you're, you're basing decisions right now that are going to impact the rest of your life and your children. So it's really important to understand down to the penny where your money goes. Because, you know, Jennifer, if you and I were just to kind of sit across each other and write down those expenses we know, which is most likely the mortgage, real estate taxes, maybe even what we pay on our auto insurance and homeowner's insurance, there's going to be a huge amount that we forget. For example, I got a ticket last fall. I was in a parking space and it was illegal. I, I, I deserve the ticket. But there were a bunch of other cars parked right along there. Well, it turned out they were undercover police people and they can park anywhere they want. So uh. I got my ticket. <laughs> but that would be an example, Jennifer, of you know something that I would not have remembered. Right. And yet, I mean, hopefully it's not an ongoing expense, but there are things that come up. You know, maybe it's a, you know, additional mammogram that you have to have that you didn't plan for. We need to make sure that we get down to a penny those things we can plan for. Look at those one-time expenses that come up and see, well, might this happen again? And let's make sure that I have a little cushioning here because you can't say yes to a settlement agreement and no with 100% certainty that you're going to be okay financially unless what you're basing it upon, your expenses, are, are really right. And far too many women I see really skip over this step and do it too quickly. And if we're going to just ballpark things, human nature, human nature shows us that nine out of 10 times, we're going to underestimate those expenses. 
That's so interesting. And so like how, how can women go about this? Because I remember going through this process and- It's painful. (laughs) Yeah. And just being overwhelmed with the how, like, how do I even do this? I don't remember. I remember thinking, I don't remember any of this. I don't know. Yeah. So there's a couple different ways you can do it. You know, if you really don't want to deal with it, you can give it to a divorce financial analyst. We just Mm. finished a a spending analysis and categorize 4,329 transactions for this client. But the positive is, is that in the, you know, 10, 12 hours that we did this for her, she knows all of her spending, which is, which is great. Not everybody wants to work with a a certified divorce financial analyst. So the next step is doing it yourself, but doing it in a way that is not as painful as a root canal. What you can do is you can upload your credit cards into QuickBooks or Quicken is another one. Those are two great resources where it can track all of those spending pieces and then you can run reports. If you're not as comfortable with QuickBooks or Quicken, then I've got another solution for you. And this one actually is free and it's mint.com. There's a couple other competitors. Personal Capital is another And you can link your credit cards and your checking account. And typically it goes back three months um, and, you know, grabs all those old expenses Mm. and it allows you then to categorize and run reports. So there are a lot of ways, again, a lot of ways that you can do this by, you know, being able to use some of these tools to make it a little less painful. I, I have to say, Jennifer, it's easier today than it was, let's say, 10 years ago, because every single credit card that you're getting and that you're using, typically they're sending you an annual report right. already broken up by category. That that actually wasn't the case 10 years ago. So there's a lot more flexibility in how you do this to, to get to those actual spending numbers. Yeah, that's great. I was thinking that as well. You know, And with all these apps and things, it is much easier. Okay, that's great. And so the next one you mentioned was failing to consider the long term. Yes. And I think about this yesterday, I took a soul psycho class and I did soul survivor. I don't know if any of your listeners have, have taken soul cycle, but it is so intense and soul survivor means that instead of uh, a 45 minute class, it's an hour. Mm -hmm. I will tell you every moment felt like eternity and I just wanted the class to be over. And when it was, I was so happy and I was so relieved Going through the divorce process, I feel like is not to make light of it, but similar to that soul survivor, soul cycle class. You're waiting for the moment that it's over because it's so unbelievably painful. Right. Unfortunately, sometimes we will make decisions to just get us done out of the process. And I've actually heard it saying, you know, I I bought my way out of my divorce. Mm-hmm. And what women will say when they're talking about that, what they mean is that they gave up assets that maybe they truly were entitled to. They gave up the amount of alimony or maintenance that they truly should have been entitled to. I've even seen it of taking a lower child support number. Divorce is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Yeah. And so make sure that you have the support you need. You have to have a therapist. 60% of the women we interviewed wished that they had had a therapist 
how is it that 60% of the women that we interviewed potentially even didn't have a therapist? Right. You've got to get your team in place because this is not going to finish up overnight. And the decisions you make truly are going to impact the rest of your life. So make sure you consider the long term and know that your decisions now are going to have a long-term impact. So keep yourself healthy so that you can withstand the stress of being in the process so that you have the emotional and the mental capability to stick with it and also make good decisions. So the settling, you know, settling down, basically, I hear a lot, you know, is an interest of sanity, right? Or is this really important? You know, breaking free and moving on is more important to me. That's kind of the feedback I hear from a lot of people who do make that decision to settle for less or take a lower payment. What do you say to that? What I say to that is that if you truly believe that's the right thing to do, then you should do it. Make sure you do talk to your attorney. Your attorney has a fiduciary duty to tell you you're really being taken advantage of here, and I want you to understand what you're giving up. The most important thing throughout all of this, because I do understand, particularly I've seen in cases where there's emotional abuse, financial abuse, and and physical abuse, where they just want to move on, and and who wouldn't, right? Right. Who who wouldn't want to? But make sure that you understand what you are giving up and have conversation with other types of professionals, your attorney, maybe a financial planner, and maybe a therapist, because from the legal, the financial, and then the emotional end, you can discuss this so that whatever your decision is, that you make that confidently and that knowing that going forward in 5, 10, 20 years, you will look back on your decision and, again, feel very comfortable that you would made that right decision and you make it over again that day. Right. Yeah. So really educate yourself and be really thoughtful and conscious about whatever decision you're going to make. Exactly. Yeah. And so the next, taking the house. Taking the house. Uh, many times we want to take the house and I am this person too, if God forbid something happened between my husband and I, I would want to stay in our apartment. That's where my kids have grown up. That's where they, you know, have their, their bedrooms, their stuffed animals. Right. But financially, I know that it would not be a good decision and it wouldn't be a good decision because long-term I, I couldn't afford the monthly maintenance on our house. There's just, there's no way, even with child support and, and alimony that might be paid to me, I know I couldn't afford it. So make sure that when you are choosing to stay in the house that you truly can afford it and that you're willing to burden any capital gains that you might realize when you need to sell it down the line and the transaction costs of selling as well. These are all things that need to go in. And I will share a caveat too. Um, in my podcast, Financially Ever After, we interviewed a few children now that they're adults, so essentially adult children of divorce, mm -hmm. and ask that question of how important was it for you to stay in the house? And I won't say that this is true for everyone, but of the people we interviewed, they said, you know what? Staying in the house wasn't so important to me. 
But what was important is I wanted to make sure I was still going to the same school, that I could still go to Boy Scouts, that I could still manage to do the, you know, soccer travel team on mm, the weekend. Right. That I had my friends, that I had my school. That's what was important. It was not so much my house. So not to say that that's everyone, but I thought that was a really nice perspective because we as moms, at least I know me, I am a mama bear. You know, I will defend and do everything I possibly can for my children, even putting myself financially or physically in the way of harm. And so it's important for us to hear another point of view because you might not have to do that. And what I have learned from my own father is that, you know, having financial stability is also a gift for your children. And my father is not financially stable. So I know in the back of my mind that my financial security that I think I have could go up in smoke if God forbid something happened to my father and he needed medical care because he has saved and has $15,000 to his name. So know that your financial stability and future is actually also a gift to be able to give to your children so they don't have to worry about you. And sometimes taking the home is just not in the cards. Right. Yeah. And so really shifting your perspective, you know, into there's other ways to provide consistency and there's other ways to provide that sense of security to to your kids if the house at the end of the day isn't a wise financial step to take. Exactly. And not knowing all of the assets. Mm Mm-hmm not knowing all the accounts and it's okay if you don't it you know particularly if you haven't been really the one dealing with and handling the the investments and in mm-hmm. your retirement but please do please do open the account statements while you're married while you're happily married please do participate as much as you possibly can to know what is where because it will save you thousands and thousands of dollars in your divorce process, because you will know where everything is. You can give that to your mediator, give that to your attorney. Um, And then the other piece of knowing the assets is knowing the tax impact. A dollar in your checking account is not worth the same that might be a dollar in a 401k. A dollar in the checking account, you can take it out, spend it, and you still, a full dollar can buy you know, a dollar's worth of of goods. Mm -hmm. Whereas a dollar out of that 401k, you're going to owe 40, maybe even 50 cents to Uncle Sam in taxes. And then you walk away with 50 cents yourself. So understanding a dollar in the checking account is not the same necessarily as a dollar in retirement. The other piece I see is even in retirement, there's some mixed understanding. A 401k versus a, let's say a Roth 401k. Mm a regular IRA versus let's say a Roth IRA, two completely types of assets, even though they share a little bit of the same name, the Roth. And the way I remember this Roth starts with an R, which is really, 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 really good. (laughs) What's awesome about a Roth IRA is whatever it grows to, you get to take it out tax-free, right? So a dollar in that Roth IRA, you take it out, you still have a dollar. Whereas a dollar in that IRA or that 401k, like that example I just talked about, you pay taxes, you may walk away with, if you're lucky, 50 cents. So understanding Roth versus regular, understanding if you have a taxable brokerage account, if it's worth a million dollars, what was it bought for? If it was bought for 300,000 less, you're going to have $700,000 in gains you're going to have to pay taxes on. These are all 
kind of more detailed nitty gritty questions, but that will have a unbelievably large impact on your financial future. Yeah, absolutely. When you're talking about assets too, tangible assets as well, correct? That we kind of forget about some of those tangible assets. Yeah, we forget about the house. You know, we forget about, you know, the collection of guitars or Mm -hmm. baseball cards. You know, maybe he collected baseball cards, so they're his, but no, no, no. If he collected them during the marriage with marital money, then, well, they're yours as well. And I had this explained by a wonderful matrimonial attorney. You know, when you buy something, think about it that you just put a yellow sticky with a the value of whatever you bought it for. So let's say it's that house. You bought it for $500,000. you have got a yellow sticky on it for $500,000. You did $200,000 in renovations. You put another yellow sticky on that house for $200,000. Mm. And then whatever the value you're going to sell it for, let's say we're going to sell it for a million dollars. And you have a blue sticky for a million dollars. So we've got our $500,000 that we bought it for, the $200,000 on the sticky of renovation. So we've got $700,000 that we essentially paid for this house versus what we sold it for, a million dollars on that blue sticky. What's the difference? $300,000. And that's what you potentially might have to pay gains on. Right. So again, one of the easiest things is to put those little stickies in your mind on them and say, okay, did I make money on this? That means that I'm going to have to pay gains on it if I get that asset and need to sell. Or in some cases, did I lose money on this? Well, if you lost money in an account and maybe you bought the account with stocks for, you know, a million dollars and now it might only be worth, oh, 600,000. Wow. Number one, that was a really bad investment manager. Mm -hmm. Probably should fire them. But number two, you have a loss of $400,000. That actually might be an asset you want to take because you have all these losses that you could use for in the future to offset gains. So again, these are things you're going to want to talk to your attorney about or a financial advisor about because a dollar in one account is not necessarily equal to a dollar in another account. Yeah. And as you're speaking, I mean, it does sound like a lot, but, but, you know, honestly, as you're speaking, it's really, once you get the information, it really does start to make sense. Yeah. And, you know, Jennifer, it's not, it's not rocket science. I know that when you watch CNBC, when you're reading the wall street journal, uh, it can be very overwhelming. It can be very overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be. And know that these are skills that you're going to use for the rest of your life. Because once your divorce is final, I hope to God you're not going back to your ex-husband and asking for advice, even if it's an amicable relationship. You want to make sure that you put your team together, people that you trust, but that you're participating, that you're empowering yourself. And it's just like driving. I think back to the first time I um, jumped in a car, my hands were actually shaking because I was so nervous about learning how to drive. But now I, mean, I drove all over this weekend. My, my daughter had a, a laser tag birthday party out in Long Island City and we drove there together. Of course, I didn't think about, you know, the mechanics of driving. I, you just do it. Right. It's the same thing with money, right? right? The more we do it, the more comfortable, the more automatic it's going to get for us. Yeah, absolutely. One other tangible asset I just want to bring up because, uh, you know, we're here at Worthy. 
the ring, right? I think sometimes we forget those like little things like um, our jewelry, engagement ring, things like that. If we find ourselves in a place of, you know, either working out the finances or even in a place where we need access to finances, how mm-hmm. we can see that as an asset. It is. And your engagement ring is your separate property. That is your separate property that was a gift before the marriage. So uh, that is yours. So if you don't have funds to engage a lawyer or a certified divorce financial analyst, that is an asset that is truly yours. Now, the wedding band is different. The wedding band typically is considered marital. Also, if you took that engagement ring and let's say, you know, 10 years into the marriage, sold it and then upgraded to a larger stone, which I've heard some people do as well. Unfortunately, you've just transmuted, you've just changed that into marital assets. So that engagement ring is no longer typically considered a separate property. Ah, okay. You know, your jewelry is something to think about. I do have some women that come to us that have beautiful jewelry collections, just stunning and great taste too. But if it was, if it was bought during the marriage, again, it's typically going to be considered marital. However, if you use separate funds, let's say money that you brought to the marriage, um, it could be an inheritance, a personal injury property settlement typically goes under that category, that umbrella too. If the funds originated from something of that sort, then it still may be separate property for jewelry. What do you do? Best thing to do is just run it by your lawyer to make sure that you're not making any faux pas or creating any any issues. Yeah. Really important information because I know that a lot of times women who don't have access to the finances at all really find themselves in a place of powerlessness where they don't know how to get the money, like you said, to even hire an attorney or hire a financial planner. And so, yeah, right there is just something of theirs that they can use to begin advocating for themselves. I agree. I agree. And I have to say thank you for tackling these issues. No one talks about money. And I'm so pleased that Worthy is taking this on because we as women, we need to start talking about money. We have these beautiful money circles that we host each month where we do just that. And it's very small, typically 10, 15 women. We'll journal, we'll talk, we'll share. I'll be honest, I've cried. Don't mm-hmm. judge me, but I've cried. Just about you know how were we raised with money? What are our beliefs about money? What are our beliefs about our abilities with money? How have things changed now that we're looking at you know dealing with and being responsible for money on our own? And the power of us women talking together and supporting each other is something that there needs to be more of. And so I just want to give a huge, huge kudos to you, Jennifer, and Worthy to start to tackle some of these issues. Because unless we start to talk about this, you know, women being behind the eight ball financially going through a divorce and the statistics that divorced women are three times more likely to live in poverty above age 65 versus men, those statistics are only going to get worse. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you're speaking to my heart right there because I know for me, I was embarrassed to speak about money. I was raised, you know, where we just don't talk about that. You don't, you know, you don't talk about that, right? And savvy ladies. I mean, just, it's all just such powerful work and just getting the conversation going, shifting the conversation and giving ourselves the freedom to, to talk and learn and be powerful here is just so important. Our time is up. We went a little bit over because I just, I'm so grateful. You're so clear in not only the mistakes we're making, but the ways that we can begin to shift out of that and really prepare for the future or just self-correct right now. So I thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thank you so much. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Well, let me give you information on Savvy Ladies first. So if you are in a situation where you desperately need help, but just don't necessarily have the financial wherewithal to be able to, you know, hire all these different professionals that we talked about, go to www.savvyladies.org and savvy is spelled S-A-V-V-Y-L-A-D-I-E-S.org. Go right on there and there's great information. You can click to be connected with our amazing executive director to be matched up with a CFP for our helpline. And if you do need a certified divorce financial analyst to help you through your divorce, you can reach out to me. It's Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at Francis Financial. And you can also go on our website, francisfinancial.com. There's a lot of great content on there as far as things you need to start thinking about, how you can protect yourself, how you can avoid these mistakes that these women shared that they made to make sure that you are in a good, solid secure position, not only through your divorce, but even more importantly, after. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time, for your work. I mean, for having the courage to just shift into something that really I think is changing the world. I I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you again, Stacy Francis, for joining us and to all of you for listening today. Next week, we will be joined by Marielle Scherig, Vice President of Wealth Management at UBS, where we will be discussing how you can own your financial worth. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch every new episode of Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle in your weekly feed. If you like what you hear, rate and review us to help other women like you be able to find us. You can find out more at worthy.com forward slash podcast.